Father, as we get into your word, I do pray, God, that you would bless this time, Lord. And we look forward to learning. We look forward to growing in our understanding of who you are. And I thank you, God. I thank you for your word that can challenge us. And, and uh, Lord, as we, as we even, even as we read some things and maybe we start kind of walking in some scary stuff, I, I pray, God, that that would be the time where our hearts are, are encouraged and strengthened in it. We would learn to trust you more. I pray that as Peter is continuing this discussion on, on false teachers, that, God, we would glean in this understanding that this is a reality and it's something we need to be aware of and we need to guard against and protect ourselves against. So I do pray that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we've been looking quite a bit at chapter 2. is about Peter talking about the false teachers who are creeping in. So obviously, listen, they're, to me, I'm understanding they were a pretty large part of that church. Stuff is going on. And this is a first century church. So as I've said through this study so far, if it was important for the first century, it should be important for the 21st century. And we should have an understanding of the reality. There are people who simply want to rip us off. They want to rip us off financially. They want to rip us off spiritually. And they want to rip us off morally. So we need to have a handle on that. And we need to guard ourselves against that. And I'm going to emphasize all through this, there's only one way to guard yourself against that. And that's being in the Word of God and studying and knowing the Word of God and letting it get a hold of your heart. So Peter has talked about, listen, he's talked about, about their doom, about what's coming. When we looked at, at Sodom and Gomorrah and we looked at Noah and we looked at, at, at uh, those things, then he talked, about, he talked about how gross they can get. And now tonight, listen, tonight we're going to spend some time on the deception, how they come in and it sounds so good. I don't know if many of you have been enticed by false teaching and, and looking at it, but man, it can suck you in and you can all of a sudden, you're in the middle of something and you think, how did I get here? What happened? And it's simply because we opened that door. So first of all, he tells us in verse 17, he says, these are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest. So what is, what is Peter trying to tell us with these metaphors? That they look like something that they're really not. Right? A well without water, clouds, you know, and, and we know that here, right? Clouds, you look at those rain clouds we talk about, especially during the rainy season, and they build up and you're going, yes, and then they just go right by your house to somebody else's house, right? So, so as I, every time I read something like that in, in Scripture, I think we know that hey, in the Middle East, water is almost more valuable for them than anything else. It's the commodity. When you talk to people, even when we go to Israel on tours and, and you start getting involved with some of the people and talking to them, whoever controls the water controls that area. And it's extremely important. And when I read this, I think of Jesus, right? And we're going to look at this in a few weeks in John chapter 7. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow out of him. That's the reality of a relationship with Jesus. These guys are 
pretenders, they're posers, and they're coming out with kind of that same idea, but they got nothing to give you. And so they're like that well that you go to that's dry. I remember when we were going to move over to this area. We were still living in Bisbee doing the ministry when the church was on Hereford Road. And we were going to move out in and uh, we are going to move to this area. I wanted to live up in the canyons. And I remember we went and there was a lot. And you could see they had drilled for water and hit none. So me, being the brilliant individual that I am, I called a well driller and I said, hey, I know somebody drilled and didn't get water. Do you think there wa- there's water there? He goes, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm telling you, no, we need to buy that. And she goes, we do not need to buy that. And I go, yeah, we do. I go, the guy said there's water there. And then I talk to some people and they go, well, yeah, if you drill deep enough, you're going to hit water. You just got to pay to drill, you know, 1,800 feet or whatever, and you'll finally get some. So, so we did not buy that, but we did buy right down. But anyway, we didn't buy that. And that's, see, that's me. I'm thinking just because he didn't hit water doesn't mean I can't hit water. So I would be somebody that might be a little bit more gullible to these guys who come in and they're promising water. And I might think, okay. And if you've ever, like, listened to some, I've shared with you before, there was a time where I was trying to figure out some, something going on in our community and uh, kind of a newer believer, not real new, but newer. And I was listening to this false teaching. And I'll never forget, there was an older gentleman, mature in the Lord, and he asked me, why are you listening to that? And I said, because I want to know what they believe. I want to be able to stand against it. I want to know what they believe. And he said, why don't you read your Bible and know the truth rather than looking at this? And I went, man, you are so, you are so shallow. Like, I'm doing the deep stuff here. And he said, you just need to, he goes, you will get sucked in. And you know what? I came really close. And I think it's important, listen, man, they promise you stuff, and we'll get more into that, but they're wells without water, they're clouds carried by the tempest. And then listen to what he says. He says, for whom is reserved the blackest of darkness forever. I think those who do false teaching and are ripping people off, I think, man, there's reserved for them a hell that is like described here, the blackest darkness. I believe, I personally believe there's degrees in hell. And I believe that because Jesus has said, even himself, he goes, it would be far better for you to do this than what you're doing. And I believe there are. Some people say, no, you're crazy, and it's okay, you know, you can say that. But here he's saying, these guys, what's reserved for them? The blackest darkness, the deepest hole. And listen, I, I, I believe Jesus is saying, you're messing, you're messing with the truth and you're taking the truth and you're messing it up and I am going to hold you accountable. Oh, it may look like they're getting away with it. It may look like they're, you know, they're doing that, but they're not. And then he says this, for, right? So the blackest darkness forever, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through lust of the flesh through lewdness, the ones who have, uh, who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So 
First of all, he talks about, and I think this is something we need to pay attention to, he talks about these guys that, that they, they uh, speak great swelling words of emptiness. They sound so good. And we need to be, listen, I, I believe in the ministry that I'm called to. I need to be somebody that I need to learn to express truth, not impress people. I, I don't have a great vocabulary. I'm not real creative. I've, I've shared before sometimes, man, sometimes I'll, I'll go someplace and teach, and they'll say, what's your title? And I'll tell them, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. And they go, no, really, what's your title? 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. And they'll go, come on, can't you get a little creative? Even just recently, someone said, we need some real creativity. We need you to figure things out. And I'm going, I'm not that person. Now, I'm not saying everybody who is creative in that way is bad. But I want to spend more time learning and understanding the word so that I can express that to you than trying to impress you with some great title or, you know, something that, and I understand sometimes it can grip us and bring us in, but I don't think there's anything that brings us in like the truth and the word of God. Listen to, listen to what Paul says. I love this. Here's what Paul says. And I, brethren, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And listen, I, I think that's so important that we understand that. And I know, listen, man, I know there's great orators and, and they can be so charismatic when they're speaking. And here's what's bad. When that happens, we're drawn more to that individual than we are to Jesus and to his word. And so here's what he's saying. They do that. And then listen, they have all these words of emptiness. Hey, it may sound really good, but when you really check out, there's nothing there. And then they allure through lust of the flesh. I don't think he's just talking about sexual lust. I think he's talking about things of the world, and, and they begin to draw us in. And, and maybe it's the, you know, the things they say, the, the, you need this, you have to have that. And, you know, the whole, you know, Wall Street thing and, and, and stuff, you know, we need to buy this and we need to get this. And I, I you know, hey, I like things. I am think I'm like everybody else. But, man, don't be drawn to that. He says, they draw you with that and they entice you. And nothing bothers me more than when you hear some of the, and I think it's kind of died down, but when the health and welfare is, you know, you need, go claim that airplane. <laughs> like, man, I claimed airplanes and they never, like, stayed, you know? I mean, I, you know, you try that and it just doesn't work and then all of a sudden you're discouraged and, and you're fed up and, you know, they act like if you don't have this, listen carefully, you're not spiritual. And that's the danger. So they empty words, they, they, they draw you with the lust of the flesh through lewdness. And it, again, I think it's also through the, I, I think lewdness there is talking about through some sexual things and, and bringing you that way. But then he says, and who are they drawing? 
the ones who have actually escaped uh, from those who live in error. I think he's talking about newer believers. It's easier to suck a newer believer away than it is somebody who's been around for a while, mature for a while. Because most new believers, at least I know for me, when I was a new believer, man, all I wanted was more of anything spiritual. Man, I would like, I would, I would look at this, I would read this, and I've shared before that I would listen to tapes and and you know the little square things again that you they're a little white, have two little holes, and and man, I would like it didn't matter, man. Just give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And that's dangerous, right? I think we need to understand what we're eating and be careful. So listen, he says, man, they're doing that, and they're bringing those who have just escaped, those who are out and and if you watch things, it's interesting. If you watch somebody like, like Greg Laurie does his crusades and, and you watch and there are people there just watching the ones who go forward so when they're coming away, they grab them and they start talking to them and they start pulling them away. And that's dangerous. So, so you know, here again, we've tried to set things up. I don't think it happens so much here. I don't think there's a lot of people watching to see who raises their hand or who does what. But why do we have, why do we, when people make a commitment, why do I stress so much? Go to the prayer room and get that new believer's packet. Go to the foundation class and learn that. Why, why do I stress that? Find somebody to disciple you. It's so that you do not get ripped off. If you're a new believer, you don't know. And people can come with persuasive words. And it may sound so good and it may sound so spiritual. And we need to be careful. And, and you know, I can't stand up here and name every false teacher. But it's going on today. And there are people who want to rip you off. They want to rip off your spiritual life. They want to rip off, obviously, your finances. So he says, man, it's those people. And then, listen to verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. When I read this verse and I start thinking about what's going on, I'm thinking about that big movement going on today, this deconstruction movement, where believers are, you know, these people who were supposedly had a relationship with the Lord and they're leaving it and they're deconstructing and they're trying to, you know, figure out, they're trying to get free from all of this stuff that's kept them bound up. My Bible says there's only one who sets us free and that's the son, right? According to, again, according to John, it says in John, therefore, if the son sets you free, what? You will be free indeed, and these people come and they go, I've been set free from all of that bondage and all of that stuff that, that, you know, just surrounded me. And, you know, a lot of them say that stuff I was raised in and my parents brainwashed me and got me into that. Now, I think, listen, I think if you're an adult in your 30s or, 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 or so, even, even in your 20s, hopefully you've thought through things and you figured out who Jesus is before you go for a while. And when people come, you know, well, I was with him for 10 years, but now I figured out it's not true. What's going on there? Something has happened. And if you follow those, here's usually what's happened. They've had a bad experience in the church. And then they're now deconstructing. And now they're telling you, you need to deconstruct. You need to question everything that you've learned. I agree you need to question, but you need to question them. 
the truth will always divide. And we need to know that, man. If you see, if you reading your Bible, you're getting truth. It's going to cause, listen, it's going to cause you. I believe I see the world different than other people. I believe I look at the world from a different viewpoint. I have on my Bible glasses, if you will, and I'm looking that way. And, and I know that, and I, I don't deny that. I believe that's true. I believe I look at the world through Christian perspective because that's how I see the world. But here's what I know. I got saved when I was 31 years old. It was like five years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's what I know is I have never been more free in my life than when I came to Jesus. That's true for my life. My life has never been so full, and my life has never been, you know, so in, in, get this in the right way, rosy. I look forward to things. That doesn't mean everything in my life has gone well. I've gone through the deepest trials in my life since I've accepted Jesus. Difficult things, difficult things physically, difficult things emotionally that I've had to walk through. But guess what? I had somebody walking through that with me. So he says, listen, man, these guys come and they promise you freedom, yet they themselves are slaves to corruption. Start paying attention. Start investigating those people who are, quote, deconstructing. And look what's going on in their life. Look what's happening. Don't just listen to them. Check it out. And then, listen, worse than that, he says, for, in the middle of verse 9, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. You let those people do that, you're going to get into bondage. And it's going to be some intense bondage. And here's what I know. Here's what my Bible says. Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. I believe that with all my heart. I believe, listen, I believe if, if he can't kill us, he'll steal from us. He'll destroy our reputation. He'll destroy what's going on if we give him that little bit into our lives and looking that way. So, again, that comes through these false teachers and what they're doing. And then he says this. He says, verse 20, For if after having escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Now, this is a difficult passage. And people are saying, do I hear what I think I'm hearing? Is Peter saying that after you're saved, you could lose your salvation? You could go back? I don't believe that's what he's saying, and we'll talk about that as, as we develop this. But I want to talk just a moment for about the security of the believer. I do not like the phrase, people will come to me and they will ask me, do you believe in once saved, always saved? I don't like that phrase. I don't like the phraseology. I don't like what it implies because it implies, hey, if I did a little thing, then I'm in and I'm good and I can live however I want. That's not eternal security. That's not security of a believer. That's a make-believe thing. A good friend of mine, a guy I grew up with, a guy I knew since kindergarten, 
and we went through school together, we went through high school together, then we kind of went a little bit different directions, but we were always there for each other. You know, it's one of those friends that you just, a deep friend you have. And I remember I went to Bible college, and, and uh, well, before I went to Bible college, when I got saved, I, I remember he came up to me once, he goes, hey, Pat, he goes, I've been watching you for the last year and a half. Really? He goes, yeah, he goes, being a Christian looks hard. And I go, it is. But it's rewarding. And then, listen, then I go to Bible college and I come back and his dad owned a construction company in the cement plant there in, in Bisbee and, and he's up and, and I live kind of up at the end road and stuff. It's just, this is a God thing. And all of a sudden he drives this big cement truck up just below my house because I lived high. And he goes, Pat, I need water. I'm out of water. I need water. And, and can you get me your hose and stuff? And, and so, yeah, we get the hose and we shove it in this cement truck and, and we turn it on. And it's like God like went and kinked the hose. We talked for 45 minutes. And he says, hey, man, I know you went to Bible college and, you know, and stuff. And he goes, you know, he goes, I'm saved. And I go, Randy, you are so not saved. Sorry, bro, but you're just not saved. And he goes, come on, man. I, I walked the aisle when I was a kid. When I was, when I was eight years old, I walked the aisle. And I know, man, I know once saved, always saved. And I go, brother, you're not saved. Why would you say that? He says, because my Bible says those who practice fornication, which you're in the middle of, and those who are drunkards, which you're in the middle of, and those, and I said, we could do the whole list if you want, and you're doing every one of them, not just one. I go, the Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's how you're living. I don't care what you're saying with your mouth, that's how you're living. Oh. And I would love to tell you he repented and came to the Lord and, and did great things for Jesus. He didn't. He came to the Bible study. We were doing a Bible study in the church in Bisbee. He came to that for a while, kind of got clean, got away from drugs, cleaned up a little bit, came to the Bible study, but his wife wouldn't get clean. And so he finally just gave it up and went back and went back to that stuff. And I think, listen, I think you can say one thing, but man, and we're going to talk about you've got to be changed by the Holy Spirit. And what's sad is he ended up dying young from drug overdose. And, you know, it just breaks your heart when you think about it. So that's why I don't like that phrase. Am I secure in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely I am. But the thing is, and listen carefully, you have to get in to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you live a perfect life. I would love to tell you guys, I am like the most holy person you've ever been around. But then you would talk to my wife. <laughs> Listen, I wish that were true. I wish like you would pray and Jesus would come and you would just like, and be holy, holy, holy. I want that. But it's not the practical, or, you know, the, the realness of my life. But I have been changed. I've been changed. And I believe, listen, I believe if you're in Christ and you're changed, that then there's some reality about this thing called the security of the believer. 
And we need to understand that and we need to know that and we need to be people that are, are, are living that. So listen, as he says this, he's talking about, number one, I want us to pay attention to words. For if after, in verse 20, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if they, who has he just been talking about? False teachers. He's not talking about people in the church. He's talking about false teachers. He's talked about the things they did. Go back to verse 17, verse 18, verse 19. It's all about the teachers. So if they, who would they be? It would be the false teachers, right? And if they're people that they've escaped, listen, and I believe that's true. He says, listen, they escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of, our, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can you escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ without being saved? Absolutely. Absolutely you can. Hey, you can hang out with Christians. You can come to Calvary Chapel and not be saved. You can come here every week and have a knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That doesn't make you saved. There's a lot of people who have that knowledge. So I want to emphasize that. But he's talking about they, that they are the false teachers. Listen carefully. All of this last part, some people transfer from teachers to the people who got deceived. Nate doesn't do that. That they are the false teachers. So if they've come and they've had that knowledge, and again, you can have the knowledge and not have the relationship. You can have an understanding and not have a love. There are plenty of people who have knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Plenty of people. And most of the cults have a knowledge of the Savior, right? It always cracks me up. I always get suspicious, and if you do this, don't get mad at me. But I always get suspicious when people say, the Savior. All right, when they tell me that, I, I have to ask them, the Savior, who are we talking about? When you're talking about the Savior, let's define that because I'm not sure your Savior and my Savior is the same person. So, so let's get that straight. And so people use that, and people might use Lord. Being in Bisbee and planning a church there and watching the New Age, and I, before I got saved, I was never into spiritual things. I was kind of the weird one. I was the weird one of the group because all my friends are getting into Eastern mysticism or some kind of spiritual thing. They were doing things, that good friend of mine that died, and he says, man, I am so into reincarnation. And I go, really, Randy? Like, what's up? And he goes, man, in my past life, I was King Tut. Now, I know four people that have said that, but here's what I told him. I said, seriously, Randy, like, in your past life, you were King Tut? And he goes, yeah. And I go, and now you're living in Bisbee, Arizona? You got the shaft, man. Whatever happened, this reincarnation, you're not going up, bro. You're going way down, right? You need to think through that. And he got really mad at me. So, like, like all, that stuff, all that stuff seemed so hokey to me. Even before I was saved, I'm just thinking, well, that's silly, Right? So I was never that spiritual guy doing that. So when I got saved, I wasn't looking for some kind of spiritual thing. But people can have, listen, man, they can have all the right answers. They can talk about the Lord. They can talk about Jesus. And the New Agers in Bisbee, hey, they won't talk about, they'll talk about Savior. They'll talk about Lord. They'll talk about Jesus. Here's the thing. You need to start talking to them about the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, 
Now they'll get angry. Now they'll get in your face because now we're defining exactly who we're talking about. We're talking about that person who died on the cross for my sin. And his blood is essential for my salvation. So listen, it's just not having knowledge and, and, and just keeping it general. But then he says this, man. He says, if they've done that and they escape that pollution. So I think, listen, I think for some people, we get drawn to Jesus. And I think for some people, it's a process. So you come out of that a little bit and you start tipping your toes a little bit into, you know, spiritual things and maybe into church. And you show up to church. Maybe tonight you're one of those. You, you kind of came checking things out and you're freaking out a little bit on me. You're going, I can't believe you're talking to me. And why are you talking about me tonight? It's just because I wanted to. So listen, and, and you, you kind of start, you start testing it. And I get that. That can happen. But you got to make it, listen, you got to go all in. You can't be that person that you're just tipping your toes in. And he says, listen, if they've done that, you've escaped the pollution of the world. You're out of that pollution for a while and that corruption. And he says, so if you've done all of that, and now once again you're entangled in it, it's not a good thing. Now you're going back to it. And listen to what Peter says. He says, listen, he says, if they're entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Oh. It would have been better not to hear. It would have been better not to know. It would be somebody that you're not doing that. And I think that's extremely important. Jesus talked about a person who's cleansed and a person who he talked about, the spirits are driven out. And then he says this, if that house is swept clean and not filled, that spirit will come back with seven more and the end of that person is worse than the beginning. I've seen that personally played out in a life of a person that was very, very close to me. And I've seen that reality of that. And it's so important, listen again, it's not enough just to come out, it's not enough just to clean up, it's not enough just to quit doing certain things. You gotta have that relationship. You've gotta come to that, that surrender of your heart and your life to him. And that's what Peter's talking about. I think this was so dear to Peter's heart. Do you remember who Peter hung out with for three and a half years? Jesus, right? Do you remember who else was there? There was a guy named Judas who was there who did all of the same things. Man, he hung out with those guys. And when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, everybody didn't turn around and go, yeah, it's Judas, did they? Nobody knew. Why? Because he acted just like them. And so, listen, this is, this is dear to Peter's heart. And it would be better, listen, it would be better to have never even heard the name Jesus than to have tiptoed in it and kind of checked it out and played with it a little bit and then go back. That's what Peter is saying. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, man, you got to fill the house. It's not enough just to get cleaned up. you got to fill the house. And we need to understand that. So I know, like, part of this is scary, right? Part of this is like, wow. And some people will say, how do I know if I'm saved? Well, 2 Corinthians tells you this. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with asking yourself, do I really believe 
that Jesus is my Savior? Have I really asked him to come into my life and change me? Am I really in that relationship? I don't think you need to experience something. Don't base it just on experience. Hey, there's a whole cult that's based on the burning of the bosom. You can't just base it on some, I had this experience. You base it on truth. Examine yourselves to see Peter, Paul tells us, test yourselves, do, not, do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? I know Jesus is in me. Why? Because I couldn't be who I am if Jesus wasn't in me. And I'm convinced of that. So Peter's saying the same thing here. And then he says, listen, he says, but, verse 22, it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, uh, Proverbs uh, 26, and then one, it's not a proverb uh, out of the Proverbs, and a sow having washed, uh, having washed to her wallowing in the mud or in the mire. So here's what he's saying, and listen carefully. It's interesting that he chooses a dog and a pig. Those two are unclean animals to Jews, and we need to understand, and here's why I think it's important. He wouldn't be talking about believers because he would never call believers a dog or a pig. He would never. We're sheep, right? And that means we're dumb as rocks, but we're sheep. But listen, dogs in their culture weren't, weren't pets like we think of dogs. They were stray dogs. They were street dogs. They were eating garbage. They were, they were just out there. So they were kind of unclean. And then obviously pigs are unclean. Now, there's a lot who say that Peter's making a big deal out of unclean. I don't think that's his main emphasis. I think his main emphasis is a dog does what a dog does. What does a dog do? They return to their own vomit. You ever watch a dog? I know it's gross. I don't mean to, like, gross you out. Hopefully you've had dinner. But dogs do that all the time, don't they? Someone nod their head, yeah. Some of you are just glaring at me. What kind of dog do you have? <laughs> so listen, dogs do what dogs do. And pigs do what pigs do. What's his point? His point is, you do what your nature is. And we need to understand that. Now, my Bible, my Bible says, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. How do you know you're a new creation? Once again, you need to examine yourself. You need to think about it. Oh, flip back. For me, it's one page. Flip back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Look at what he said there. In the beginning of this letter, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Make sure. How do I make sure? I get in God's word and I compare my life. And then I begin to understand. Do I love Jesus? I do. Do I want to be like him? I do. Do I not want to, to do the things that sometimes I do? Yeah. I do them and i like, mm, why did I do that? Do I have a desire to obey God? Absolutely. 
I'm not saying I do all of that, right? But are you with me? You have that, and you're changed. Your nature is changed. You're no longer going back and licking up your own vomit. You're no longer going back and you're rolling in the mud. You have been changed. You're a new creation. Do you ever look at the world and wonder, why do people think that way? What is the matter? Do, am I the only person who does that? What's the matter with them? Are they nuts? Do you share with people and they don't accept Jesus and you just want to like take their head, unscrew it, pour Jesus in and screw their head back on? Here, I'll fix you, right? And, and the whole, here's what I think. I think really, why do you not get this? Why would you choose not believing and going to hell versus believing and having your sins forgiven and being set free of that? Why would you not choose that? Because their nature hasn't been changed. My nature's changed. It's so clear to me. But I remember the Pat who sat on steps one time. And I remember that guy. And I'm sitting on steps talking to my, my good friend. And I'm saying, man, there is no way I'm going to believe in this Jesus stuff. That just is not going to happen. That's like the most bizarre stuff in the world. And I was living in Bisbee. But that's like the most bizarre stuff that ever happened. And listen, I, I can remember being so adamant that that was so, and I was that guy that somebody wanted to unscrew my head, pour Jesus in, and screw my head back on. What changed? My nature. That's what changed. And we need to get an understanding, not just for ourselves, but we need to get an understanding of that for the world out there. Why do people do the things they do? Because they're not born again. And we get so angry with them. And they're not born again. There would be nothing worse than a bunch of not born again people acting like born again people. Those are called hypocrites. Listen, and, and we need to have that understanding. and We need to ask the Lord to use us in our lives and, and that we would have that understanding and that closeness and that we could be those people. We have a little bit of compassion on them. You don't have to believe what they believe, but you have to have an understanding of where they're at. So Peter, yeah, Peter's telling us all about false teachers. And listen, every false teacher eventually reveals who they are. They do, some way or another. You hear it and go, oh. And you get that understanding. Peter's giving us a dire warning. Why? Because it's a reality in the world we live in. And I would love to say, if you're truly born again, they will never affect you. Because you have the shield. And I do believe we have the shield of faith. But I still believe they'll affect us. Saints, stand firm. How do I do that? By getting in the word of God. Why do we hear over and over and over encourage people to read their Bibles, get into their Bibles? Because we want to control lives. Because we want you set free. And you read your word and your word will go in your heart and you will have that guard that you need. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I, I thank you. I thank you for this, this challenge as we look at, at Peter and just his heart. And I'm sure his heart was coming from the whole idea of, of what he lived with, with Judas. And, and just watching what was going on in the church, looking around and seeing 
newer believers ripped off, seeing people sharing false doctrine, having people come in and act like they're all that, and promising things that they have no ability to keep anything, any, quote, liberty they're promising because they themselves are bound up. Help us to understand that. Help us to see that. And to know there's only one who can truly set us free. And that's the son. Let us focus on you, Jesus. And walk with you. And enjoy you. And fellowship with you. And I'm going to ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here tonight, and, and maybe part of this hit home for you tonight, and, and you're here and you're, you're realizing, yeah, man, I've been coming, but uh, it's not real for me. Like when I, even when I come, I'm not really feeling anything. And God is speaking to you and God is touching you. If I'm talking to you tonight, then you know what? Let this be the night. Let tonight be your night of salvation. You're being set free. I just want to challenge you to kind of, quote, give it up, give your heart to Jesus, and let him change you and mold you and shape you. So if I'm talking to you tonight, and you know what, maybe you've even come here for years and, and it's hit home, then you know what, be honest and come to that place where, yes, I want that relationship I have the knowledge, I've hung out, but I want it to be more than that. I want it to be this relationship you're talking about. So if I'm talking to you, man, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say this prayer with me. Again, it can be out loud or it can be silent, but man, you have to be sincere. It's gotta be real. If you're watching online in your home, you can say this prayer with us. If you're backslidden, man, those are the ones. If you're backslidden, come back to Jesus tonight. Come back to him and, and, and enjoy him. And it all starts with you being honest. So say this prayer with me. Jesus, tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, please come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.